0: Welcome to the VMware Multi-Cloud Podcast. My name is Eric Nielsen, and with me today is my co-host, David Jasso. On today's show, we're going to be covering Oracle Cloud, talking with Jeff Eberhard, Director of Cloud Engineering at Oracle Inc. David, how's it going today? It's going well, Eric. Fantastic, fantastic. So why don't you take us through the introduction to our guest, Jeff? Sure. Hey, Jeff, welcome. Uh, Wanna let you
1: introduce yourself to everyone, but also, uh, give us your your history. You, last time you were on the podcast was I don't know a year plus ago, and you were with VMware. Right and now you're over at at Oracle. We'd love to hear sort of uh, you know your background and uh, also what we're going to be talking about today.
2: Sure. So thank you both, Eric and David, for having me on the on the uh, on the podcast. So I joined Oracle almost exactly a year ago uh, after being at VMware for nearly a decade. At VMware, I was a solution engineer and then I led different solution engineering teams. Uh, including a uh, stint of time on the VMware Cloud on AWS team. And so um, I think that that got some interest from the Oracle group as they were starting up their VMware offering, uh, Oracle Cloud VMware Solution. And so they reached out to me and said, hey, do you want to come over here and run sales and solution architecture and basically get that stood up um, you know, from, from step one here in the Americas? And I said, yes. And so for the past year, I've been working with that team, working with our product and engineering teams and just, trying to make VMware um, a integral part to the overall Oracle cloud story
1: hey uh, hey Jeff uh, why, why don't we start with just uh, talking a little bit about what is Oracle and what are they doing on cloud and I, you know a lot of people aren't aren't that familiar with Oracle's a cloud company so maybe you could give us a little background on that
2: yeah so Oracle cloud is You know, it's called a second generation cloud uh, by our CEO and CTO, Larry Ellison. And basically the thought process of it is, you know, Oracle has been in the enterprise software industry for 30 plus years Um, and frankly, with the acquisition of Sun, the enterprise hardware industry. And so, so much of customers infrastructure and data runs on top of Oracle because data is the most important thing. I think we'd all agree right now. It's the thing that all the companies are looking to bring together. And with Oracle having decades of experience in data, they said, hey, you know what, our customers are starting to ask about cloud and how do we make this a better experience for them? Because, you know, frankly, Amazon and Microsoft have done a great job of starting off with cloud and you have access to instances that you can spin up and spin down and it keeps costs down initially. Um, but when you start looking at the the cloud overall, there were some things that customers have have noticed, like you know, resiliency and availability aren't necessarily built in, um, right? You know, you, you, have, you have a infrastructure part go down and the ask is, well, build the application to be able to handle that. But with a lot of more legacy software, that's not been very easy. And so VMware's had a very great opportunity in there to step into some of these other clouds and bring the high availability and resiliency that VMware has and put them on top of a cloud. But Oracle said, well, you know, not that VMware isn't great, and obviously I'll talk more about that later, but we need some of that resiliency and automation built into the core features and functionalities of the cloud as well. And that even goes all the way to things like you know, patches and upgrades of your database software, for example. That's not something that a company does to increase their own ability to sell more or help their customers more. That's just backend stuff that no one cares about. So with Oracle Cloud, they said, well, why don't we automate as much of that as possible. Let's use, you know, artificial intelligence and machine learning to make it as easy as possible to make the data that you're trying to provide to the end users and the customers um, resilient, available. And then, you know, there are some other things that customers came to us and said, you know, we really do want to be able to scale on demand. And we really, you know, honestly, maybe we want a cloud like infrastructure, but we want it on premises. Well, some of our competitors have done things like that. You've heard of Amazon Outposts, for example, or Azure Stack, um, but Outposts and Azure Stack are you know, their own thing, right? Like there's AWS and then there's Outposts. Mm-hmm. Um, with Oracle Cloud, we have something called Dedicated Region Cloud at Customer, where we'll actually stand up the same Oracle Cloud that is in you know, the data centers worldwide that we have, but we'll stand it up in your data center. So you get access to the same features and functionalities that you have in the cloud, but it's in your data center. So if you are concerned about security or performance, or there's any reason that you need it on-prem, you can do that. Um, We've also had a lot of customers start moving to software as a service and platform as a service type of offerings. And Oracle has expanded its software to be pushing more that direction. Well, if you're moving your ERP software or your CRM software to the cloud, wouldn't it be nice to have all the other applications that need access to that to be as close as possible? so when you're running your erp software in oracle cloud you can run all the rest of your software in that exact same cloud so everything is right next to each Mm -hmm. other so you have that data gravity that data locality that allows you to have the performance that you want does that make sense
1: yeah it makes sense so um so when you said the second generation part of this is really around this whole issue of um, resiliency and availability and sort of building that in sort of rethinking the notion that that always has to be in the application is that sort of like you know it could be but if you don't have that and if that's not what you're especially if you're looking at something that's more traditional application you don't have to re-architect entirely the application to sort of have those capabilities right
2: yeah that's that's absolutely the thought process behind it right we want to we want to take as much as we can at the platform layer remediate things keep things up and running you know provision scale tune all of that so that you don't have to worry about that you're just more focused on what the application is providing not the infrastructure below it
1: and really is a a different twist on the whole issue of like um as a service in local cloud right because as you said um, you know if you get uh, you know outpost or something like that you're still going to run it it's a, it's a software stack but you're responsible for it this is sort of like you know, really at next level, right. Where it's like, no, we'll, we'll do it. It's, it's on your premises, but it's truly a completely managed service stack. Absolutely. Um, So that's, that's, that's interesting. I think that, I mean, you know, it's honestly, that's kind of what we're trying to do as well with some of the offerings is, but, uh, you know, as a service where it's still running in your data center, but it's fully managed by someone else, basically. That's, I think that that's, uh, that's a good route. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the things that's sort of interesting about Oracle is that, um, You know, unlike some of the other vendors, they're showing up with a complete enterprise software stack as well. So they've been I assume that's been sort of also pretty interesting to customers. Right. Which is this notion of, you know, there's sort of multiple angles on cloud for Oracle. Right. Because they're also a huge now SaaS company, you know, SaaS offering company. Right. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that.
2: Sure. So, like I said, you know, most of our customers, at least the really large ones started using Oracle on premises years ago, right? Decades ago. But again, running your own box, running your own software doesn't provide the value that you're looking for. And so a lot of those same customers over the years said, hey, you know, we still we like your software. We like the applications. We like what it's doing, but we don't want to we don't want to run it on our own. We want you to run it for us. And so. Oracle spent, you know, years building SaaS offerings of all of the on-premises stuff that they that they offered, and of course, those are still available for customers that prefer to run them that way. Um, but when we look at the software as a service offerings or the platform as a service offerings, it again goes to allowing our customers to be able to spend the time and the effort on bringing their own value to market rather than bringing the value of our software to market, and so for those customers that have been looking to do that, we make it as simple as possible for them to do that. So maybe it's databases they were running on premises, and now we can turn them on with something like Exadata Cloud Service or Autonomous Database. And we have software like Golden Gate that will actually move all of their databases up into the cloud for them. And what that allows them to do is actually be a lot more efficient uh, with what they're doing. Because if you think about database, for example, Maybe it's a, a transactional database and you've got those customers that have really big days and then slow hours between, you know, midnight and 7 a.m. every day. If you buy for on-premises, you have to buy, you know, for your peak times, no matter what. When you move into the cloud and you have an autonomous database or an excitated cloud service, you buy what you need for the moment that you're using it. You scale up, you use the additional performance, you don't need it anymore, you scale back down. Um, When we look at things like data, you know, data is consistently growing, but data also needs, you know, not everyone's moving all the way to cloud. They're doing a hybrid cloud. You know, they're still saying half on-prem, half in the cloud. Well, when they're trying to bring all of that data up into the cloud, what we've seen is customers still want access to that, and you know, crazy as it is, you move everything to cloud, it doesn't mean it's going to stay there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what we've done from a network perspective is actually make it as simple as possible for customers to bring their data back and forth. Um, our offering of Fast Connect, which is equivalent to ExpressRoute or Direct Connect, you know, with the other providers, um, if you have a Fast Connect, you actually get unlimited egress and ingress as part of that offering. So, you're not paying to bring your own data back and forth between Oracle Cloud. You just use your data where you want to use it. And then when you want to bring it back, you bring it back and it's not costing you anymore. So it's giving customers the flexibility to be able to use cloud and use software as a service when they need to, but also be able to bring it back on-prem if that's what makes most sense to them.
1: Yeah, I could I could see that uh, especially around data there's a lot of sensitivity to that and even if you have that data in the cloud you probably you may not want to keep all of it there and you want to sort of like keep the most you know sort of recent whatever and sort of bring a lot of data back on premise and mine it and do other things to it that uh, you sort of need the flexibility. So that that sounds great. Sorry guys. Hey,
2: I completely lost audio.
1: Oh, oh
0: that's apologize. okay. No no, no worries anything. Um David, there, I wonder- I got you again. Yeah. All right, great. I have a quick question, Jeff, um, just to, to you, you talked about optimization of server capacity, right? Peaks and lows and rates. So you get to blend that across multiple customers or cloud services. So I think that's, uh, that's good how much of this is also kind of the the capital expense versus capitalization of software costs versus expense software, right? where uh, now I get to you know, subscription-based services where not only am I not buying per peak load, right? And having servers that I have to amortize over X number yeah. of years. Um, now I can actually just take all this as an expense and kind of operate. Uh, my expenses match more accurately what I consumed or used for my business during that moment, so I wonder how much of that is also at play.
2: I think I think that's coming up with a lot of customers because you know when it when it comes down to it, costs matter, right? There's there's always somebody who's going to be out there and have something that's less expensive or easy, you know, e- easier to deploy, but when when it comes down to it for our customers themselves they need you know you think of something like you know covid last year a lot of companies were set up to work in the office and the software that they had was meant for local people and all of that and suddenly everyone's gone and that you know brings up their their potential costs exponentially if they need to buy on demand software and now you know fingers crossed at some point this delta variant goes away uh, people are going to be coming back in the office, but a lot of those customers may have made one-time purchases to be able to handle everyone being gone. And now as it spins back down, that's going to cost them. So customers are looking at that and going, well, how do we scale up, scale down, make it a, you know, a ongoing expense versus a large capital expenditure. Um, the other thing is though customers, you know, Oracle customers, for example, it's, it's no secret that our software costs a lot of money. Um, and a lot of them have purchased, perpetual licensing or they have mm-hmm. purchase licenses that they want on premises. And so um, to help customers you know move to the cloud if that's what makes more sense for them, we've actually about a month ago announced something called support rewards. And basically what it's saying is you bought these licenses and you're going to have to pay, you don't have to pay, but you're probably going to pay support on these licenses for the foreseeable future, but you also are starting to make the move to cloud. And so with support rewards, what we're doing is we're actually taking a portion of what they're paying in support and giving them cloud credits to be able to make that move to cloud. So again, you know, capital expenditure versus operational expenditure, we're helping right. them make that transition um, right now because we realize customers don't want to throw away that sunk cost of the software they bought, but they may not be ready to move all the way.
0: That's really interesting. Uh, and David, I'll get I'll, I'll get sure. back to you. I'll let you no. get, go in a second. But it is interesting to consider the support costs that many software package software companies have begun to rely on. I know we use at VMware, uh, Chorus, and Jive, and these other ones. And 50% of my cost is actually the support Payments that you're doing for that for that package. And as you move to cloud, that support ratio changes. I, I assume quite a bit because you're no longer supporting an on-prem instance in places where you've moved that workload to the cloud. And so Oracle can then change that dynamic of what you're actually paying for, because I don't think Oracle wants to charge a large amount for support, but they have to, because that's what it takes to keep something running on-prem where you have to go to customers and help them resolve issues and so forth. So it actually just is more optimized by doing cloud because you can get rid of that support layer.
2: Well, yeah, you think of something autonomous, right? The whole thing you'll hear on Oracle Cloud is autonomous. If you take out the people from the steps and the people are the things that tend to cause the need for support, right? And you make everything just work on its own and not need that. Well, now, yeah, now our costs go down to be able to support that, which allows us to pass through, you know, whether in the software as a service offering or the platform as a service offering, those savings, because we're managing it and it's all being automated anyways.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Hey Jeff,
1: maybe we can switch gears a little bit because uh, you know sure. you went over there to focus on VMware on um, on Oracle, right? So uh, mm-hmm. maybe you can tell us sort of a couple things. One is um, what you're saying with uh, sort of you know what's driving people to do that but uh, also what are the most common use cases you're seeing? like what are the scenarios that say, yeah let's let's do that because uh, you know obviously that's you know slightly different uh then yeah. just the the general value proposition of oracle there's some very things specific to vmware and vmware customers maybe we can ch- chat about that
2: sure well you know oracle and vmware have a you know i would i would call it a Venn circle of customers right it's not even a venn diagram it's like mm-hmm. they have the exact same customers and customers have you know grown to rely on vmware over the past couple of decades um Because it's solid software, a large offering of features that are helpful from a security perspective, availability, et cetera, like, you know, all of your listeners probably are aware of. Um, But the frank thing is, you know, customers at the same time, especially at the higher levels, are being asked to go to cloud. And when it comes to going to cloud, you know, there's that lift and shift discussion that, that customers have to have internally. And they say, okay, well, we're running, you know, some on stuff on bare metal today. We're running some on VMware um we got to get it into the cloud what's the easiest fastest least likely to break things way to make that happen and frankly the least likely to break away things to make that happen is to bring it up on vmware again right because when you replatform an application like i said earlier you know your application may not be ha aware and you bring it onto a native cloud instance and suddenly you don't have the ability to keep it up and running if something goes wrong um so by bringing it up in vmware you get to keep all of those features and functionalities now oracle cloud vmware solutions a little bit different than the other hyperscaler cloud solutions um, that are out there in kind of three key ways Um, number one ocvs isn't strangely enough based on oracle having a lot of managed services ocvs isn't a managed service we're actually providing you basically pure vmware in the cloud so what Mm -hmm. i mean by that is it's esxi vsan nsxt um, VCenter, you know, HCX, all of the features and functionalities that you see in the other clouds, but because we don't offer it as a managed service, you can actually use it the exact same way that you use it on premises. So you mm-hmm. have third-party tools. You know, we've seen customers come to us for, you know, for example, they use Zerto. Um, Zerto, you have to have access to the VIBs and be able to install. We can do that because you're managing your own environment. Um, you want to do special things with NSXT and security products or other networking products? You can do that because again, we're just running standard NSXT. Um, mm-hmm. So what that allows the customers to do is they can bring their databases, they can bring their other applications up, and you know put those in native OCI. But then they can bring everything else that touches those applications up in yeah. native VMware. Um, so it's it gives you you know the control level that you you know the customers are asking for because customers have been using vmware for decades they don't necessarily want to relearn how to use it they just want to use it the same way they have well we let them do that Um, on top of that because it's controlled by them and third party solutions and everything work um, it it can tend to be a little bit more predictable so some of the customers that we've talked to have are, are running in another hyperscaler vmware cloud and they're saying hey you know we love this but the upgrades and the changes and the things that are happening out of our control um, are making it a little bit harder sometimes for us to do our business. We want to be able to run on vSphere 7 update 2 and NSXT 3.1 and just know that our stuff is going to work and not have to worry about it. By giving them the control of that, they have the predict- yeah, predictability that the environment tomorrow is going to be the same as it was today when you last logged in. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, in other providers, that's you know not quite the same right because there's changes and there's yeah and those i mean
1: happen. just to point out i mean there's there's some, there is always a different value proposition between yeah. managed managed service uh, service that's managed by absolutely. someone else and one you do yourself so it's it's more of a choice point rather than sort of like uh, a yeah. downside to one or the other basically
2: no absolutely and i mean we've had customers frankly come to us and say i wish you would do that managed service mm-hmm. right so yeah. it's there's definitely the flip sides uh, to that um you know, and then Oracle, one of the things that I didn't mention earlier, it, a big thing for Oracle is um, security, right? So Oracle Cloud Infrastructure overall is a zero trust security infrastructure. Um, and what that means from a VMware perspective is you deploy a CBS, and, you know, my team is in charge of solution architecture for that. The second it's deployed, we don't have access to it anymore. And that can be a good thing or a bad thing. But we Mm -hmm. have had some financial services customers come to us and say, we like that. You can't see anything. You can never touch anything. You can't do anything to our environment. Um, You know, the downside of that, of course, is from a support perspective, Eric, like you said earlier, right, if we're locked out of it completely, support comes back into play and we have to we have to work with them. So it's, it's a little bit of a different offering than the other ones have. But like you said, David, some customers are really buying into that and they're saying, hey, we we want this, you know, we want to have full control. We want to have that availability. We don't want it managed. And other customers have come to us and said the opposite. And that's OK. Yeah. It's about customer yeah. choice.
1: It, it's good to know the differences so that it's like if, you know, if you're really looking for, you know, that level of control, then this is an option. If, if what you're looking for is a managed, you know, fully managed uh, offering, then that's something else. I, I think that's yeah. good. I mean, people should have choices out there. And this is just a, a different set of choices. It's nice that uh, you know, that those options all exist for folks, right?
2: Well, it's great of VMware to give that option, right? Yeah. Because in, in the multi-cloud world, customers want to be able to move from place to place and use what they want to use. And VMware, by partnering with so many hyperscalers has given those customers the opportunity to work with the partners that they want to. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Um, Eric? Uh, I, I think I'm kind of like the sort of like I think we're getting to it and it's sort of like the nut the nut of it in terms of like, you know, what are the differences, which was sort of why I want to bring you on, Jeff, and talk about Oracle and what's what's different about the offering. Um I think it's all this is great stuff. I what yeah. what are is the adoption been good? Is like are you starting to see people really wanting to to do this?
2: Yeah, you can you can see my eyes light up. So Adoption has been wonderful. Um, You know, I I started basically day one that the solution was out there, and of course, like any enterprise sales uh, process, it takes a little while as you get those customers ready and start moving them forward. But um, you know, we've got—I probably can't share numbers—but we have a number of production customers uh, here in the U.S. as well as worldwide. And honestly, on a week-over-week basis, I'm just seeing more and more success. Like it's it's kind of exciting how quickly that exponential kind of push has has started hitting us. Um, and, you know, the thing that we're looking forward to VMware, uh, VMworld obviously is coming up very soon. And so we're going to be doing a good amount of announcements and wind wires and customer references during that. And I'm really excited to be able to show that soon.
0: Hey, yeah. go ahead, Eric. Sorry. Yeah, so um, I, I think this is pretty interesting. And obviously, you're hitting a sweet spot in that I've seen a lot of customers and you know discussions we've had with key influencers, because my role is to work with key influencers, is that control where they do want have, to have access to the platform. Uh, some of the other hyperscalers, that's not the case, right? You're kind of living in the world. Uh, and I can see that definitely offering up something where I can just pick up my workload and put it in the cloud. How much of this also, I think it plays well to the I'm getting a mead uh an, uh an uh told by my CTO that I need to move to cloud. And this is a very straightforward, easy way to move to cloud. And yeah. the vision of VMware has been to allow you as a, a customer to be choosing which cloud you want, right? And that there are competitive cloud services that you can choose. And you guys have not only put your services above this, but you are also just giving a bare bones here. Here's vSphere in a data center. We operate it. You've moved to cloud. You're going to get a service bill. Thank you very much. And so for some customers, this checks the box of, yes, Mr. CTO, I have I have now cloud services. I'm, we're using Oracle Cloud. This is working for us. And you haven't really changed your job role. Or how you're running things?
2: Yeah, we had a we had an insurance customer spin up recently uh, in three different regions worldwide, and they went from the first call that we had with them to being up and running in their first region in nine days, which it that I'm talking the full gamut right way to get networking and everything set up they had the next two regions set up the next week and now they're running in production across those three regions so you know GDPR was obviously a big portion of that so they had some in England some in Europe some in the US Um, but imagine at any point going to you know the the key influencers that you're talking to and saying okay from the first conversation with Oracle to actually being up and running under nine days. And, you know, honestly, the deployment portion of that was a couple of hours, right? It was all the right. prep stuff that we had to do with them, but then to expand that to three more regions in another week, you know, it, it's, yeah. it's the easy
0: yeah. And the And one. I've, I've heard this story countless times now where, and it's funny because uh, people were bragging about what we did this project in Three months, right? And, and everybody was really excited. Wow, we've migrated into some cloud, certain workloads just on top of uh, VMC and AWS or VMC and different places or uh, on a cloud. And people were bragging of uh, four months, three months. Uh, now it's like, 30 days was the last one I heard, right? Like everybody's yeah. like, we started and we're done with moving workload into cloud in 30 days. And now yeah. we're like at nine days, right? Where yeah. it just reminds me of the early days of VMware, where we would go into a rack and there'd be 20 machines and we had a software that would go through every node. And within two hours, we'd shut down 18 of the 20 <laughs> servers and all your yeah. VMs were running on the bottom two servers, right? And it was yeah. like, I feel like cloud migration and setting up this cloud is coming to that state where, you know, we've, we've, we've gotten vSphere and the whole stack running on cloud, and you can just come in and literally, you know, hit some buttons and 10 days later, you know, workload is running. As it did before, you have to worry about the, the networks and the gateways. But other than that, uh, it is becoming, and now it allows the cloud vendors to compete on service and on capacity and on right. energy costs and all the other things that uh, you know that you can manage as a scaler kind of cloud provider.
2: Yeah, no, it's it's a good point. And you know, honestly, the VMware software is what makes that easy, right? HCX is is key to that. If you want to move workloads as quickly as possible, you get that service mesh set up and your on-prem and you're, your cloud now look like the same data center. You start moving those workloads and they move fast, right? So it's great.
1: Hey, hey Jeff, you uh, mentioned VMworld and new news and not to not to have you tell us uh you know, what the news is going to be. But, uh, you know, what what are the what are the areas you think will be focuses in terms of like new developments and that sort of thing without getting into the details? But just sort of what do you think is on the horizon?
2: So a couple of the really good things. One is second party uh, application support. So, you know, there's first party, right? There's Oracle stuff. Mm -hmm. Then there's third party, which are things like Zerto and Veeam and Palo Alto Networks and others. But the second party is getting the VMware software certified on top of VMware. And Mm -hmm. it's funny because it's been a little bit difficult because VMware's different business units say, well, it's a hyperscaler, so we got to treat it a little bit differently, which I understand because in a lot of the other hyperscalers that is the case. But with us, because we're running the just your VMware stack. Yeah. Uh, we've been fighting that a little bit. So we're going to have some good announcements around other VMware software that will be very well appreciated by our customers, uh, being officially supported by VMware on top
1: cool. of CBS. Yeah, that makes uh, sense.
2: On top of that, we're we're taking you know from a features and functionality perspective, you know, we we are getting a lot of feedback right now that our offering is big. I mean it is right these boxes have 52 Mm -hmm. cores and 50 terabytes of nvme that doesn't appeal much on the you know smaller end of the market or in those regions where you don't need quite as much and so um, you know should be seeing some some announcements around that on making it a little bit easier for customers to get into the offering
1: okay cool that sounds great yeah uh all right uh, you know, I think this is great. This has been a great update on what's happening with Oracle. I actually know I learned a lot about sort of what are the differences. You know, this is always a big question, right? Like, it's like, well, why Oracle or AWS versus Azure? And a lot of it comes down to preference, right? You know, organizations right. sort of have an affinity towards one group or another. And so we're, we support that. But it's nice to also hear about some of the sort of, you know, real technical differences between the offerings and and why you would, pick one over another that is you know not it's just because they're different they're they're yeah. all slightly different in, in a way that appeals to some and not to others so i think that's right. uh, great to to hear what's what's going on with oracle eric i didn't have any more anything else you wanted to get
0: on the table eric? no jeff it uh, sounds like you're, you're enjoying yourself over there so i'm i'm right. happy for that i know it's always interesting last question i have is like you know cuz it's always fun to pick people's brains when they move from company to company um, yeah. You've gone now to where Oracle actually has software up at the top stack too, right? So any interest in, you know, Kubernetes and uh, that kind of stuff for applications, any exposure into that space? Or is that kind of like uh, in a different part of the business? Because it's always interesting to hear what a a true software because the end user app company is doing up at that top layer.
2: Yeah, so, you know, we have our Oracle Kubernetes engine, right? So OKE, it's a cloud-native um, one. Obviously, Tanzu is something very big for VMware, and hopefully we'll be hearing some stuff about that regarding regarding those playing well together. But, um, you know, it's there's a lot of, it is a different business unit, but I'm seeing a lot of interest um, not only in the Kubernetes side of things, but a lot in you know like high performance computing is, is one of the mm-hmm. just businesses that seems to be blowing up because it's hard you know you can't go buy 10,000 GPUs and put them on prem. You can't even get them anywhere right now because mm-hmm. of all the you know the Ethereum miners, right? So for customers that are looking to do those more what would traditionally not necessarily be cloud native services, but now doing them in the cloud, and then you can combine things like a Kubernetes setup where everything's distributed with high performance computing and actually be able to, one of our customers, Altair, right? Is, is a big public reference of ours. They're doing that, right? They're doing their builds, they're doing their tests and they're doing high performance computing all in one on the cloud. So it's kind of fun.
0: Yeah. I would think that AI and your data, cause AI is, you know, managing and coalescing information from data right. would sit sit well together. So I can imagine that with your databases and the big data uh, sitting there, then getting access to GPUs to be able to do AI on your big data sets would be a, a good uh, connection between the two yeah, of those, so I can it's, see that.
2: It's a new thing they've started calling the lake house, right? So there's data lakes and there's data warehouses. And how do you take a data lake and a data warehouse, put them together, use AI and actually pull you know actionable information out of them. It's, it's pretty neat that.
0: Yeah, that's, that's super cool. And yeah, it is hard to get, uh, you know, GPUs these days. So uh, the <laughs> fact that big enough clock, it's it interesting, big enough vendors, like the chip shortage and everything that's going on, like only the top tier vendors yeah. are actually getting access to this gear now, right? So right. Uh, it does allow the hyperscalers to kind of get an edge in being able to get access to that gear, right? So that's another thing at play as well. So Jeff, yeah. cool, cool conversation. Thanks for coming yeah. on and uh, talking. Good seeing to you, see Jeff. That. Good catching up. Good out.
2: seeing you as well. Thank Thank
0: you. All right. All right. Th- thanks. Everybody. Thanks a lot,
2: guys. Thanks, hell. Good talking to you.